Good morning, church. It's been a while, but I'm hoping that preaching's kind of like a bike. Just get back on, hey? And so, just encouraging, encourage me either way. Um, I was sitting around uh, having dinner with some friends last Sunday night, and we just were talking a little bit about that we've been in a series of prayer. And it's always good um, if you're part of the leadership team to check whether what you're preaching is actually working. And so I just, I just asked, is anyone praying more? And it came back a unanimous yes. And so that was so good. And um, it was actually um, Claire and Colo, and they said, yeah, we, we got on our knees together last week. And I'm sure that came out of Pam's teaching and getting on your knees. And it's so great to hear that the, as the word's going out, it is actually impacting. And so that's really good. I hope that it's a unanimous yes across the church if I was to ask that now and that we are just uh, getting to understand the importance of prayer. And so I am continuing on in our prayer series, uh, but so often we think about prayer and we think about what we need to say to God. Come before him, present your requests before him, and, and, and it, we talk a lot about talking to God in prayer. But this morning, it is, um, it is my job to inform us about the importance of listening in prayer. A little harder, because when we go to God, I love the image that Graham used last week about sometimes when we pray, it's almost like we're trying to gasp for air because something's gone wrong. And so we have to quickly pray because I know if I pray, he'll probably make it right. But prayer needs to be more like a breath in and a breath out. It needs to be part of our every single day that he would be invited into that. And so listening is a little bit trickier because we hate to wait. It's against our human nature. Uh, patience is something that God needs to instill in us. And so, so often I think we as um, children of God go, speak God. And he's almost like it's going, listen, church. And so as we focus on listening to God today, I'm bringing a message which I've titled Surround Sound. Surround Sound. If you're a note taker. Uh, I'm going to use two characters from the Bible today. Uh, they have strikingly... Um, by, by this, I hope to illustrate the importance of our surround. The first guy I want to look at is Samuel. Both of these people one is Samuel. And we see Samuel, his life is first, it first begins to be documented when we see his mother, Hannah. Now, she's not a mother yet, but when we see her in 1 Samuel 1, but she is at the annual celebration and worship festival. And everyone is eating and, and celebrating, and, and it's a big festive kind of uh, thing that's happening, almost like a party for God. How good does that sound? Uh, but there's, there's a burden in Hannah's heart. Because she's, as the festivities go on and she, she finds a quiet place in the sanctuary. Described that the priest saw her and it was almost like he thought she was drunk because she was speaking but no words were coming out. She was that moved and that devastated. Her heart cried out so badly for a child. And the prayer that she prayed in there and she said, God, I will give him completely and reservedly to you. I'll set him apart for a life of holy discipline. And God heard Hannah's prayer that night. And the next time Hannah returned to this annual celebration, she came with a son. 
Now, it had been a few years because she decided to wean him before she would take him back and make good on her promise, but she did. She took Samuel back to the priest, Eli, and said, I bet you don't remember me. And she stood there with her son and she said, I'm making good on my promise. I'm bringing the boy back to the Lord. And she gave this young boy back to the Lord to serve and to train as a servant in the house of the Lord. And she left him there. So she made good on her promise. And uh, he, Samuel was actually a Levite, which meant that he came from the tribe of Levi. And those, uh, the people of the, the Levite people, were people who were set apart to be worshippers, to serve as worshippers in the house and the temple of the Lord. And so we see Samuel's start of his life is that he was an answer to prayer, he was set apart, and that he was, he was to serve God with his whole life. I'll try and quickly move through the story because... I haven't changed. I have heaps of scripture to go through today. Um, So we pick up the story in 1 Samuel 3. It says this, that the boy Samuel was serving serving God under Eli's direction. This was at a time when the revelation of God was rarely heard or seen. And then one night, Eli was sound asleep. That's the priest that Samuel was serving. His eyesight was very bad and he could hardly see. It was well before dawn, the sanctuary lamp was still burning and Samuel was still in bed in the temple of God where the chest of God rested. Then God called out, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel answered, yes, here I am. Then he ran to Eli saying, I heard you, here I am. And Eli said, I didn't call you, go back to bed, go back to bed. And so he did. Again, God called Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and he said, I heard you call, here I am. And Eli said, son, I I didn't call you, go back to bed. All this happened before Samuel knew God for himself. It was before the revelation of God had been given to him personally. A third time, God called again and said, Samuel. And yet Samuel got up and went to Eli. He's like, yes, I heard you call me, here I am. This is getting a little repetitive. And then it dawned on Eli, the priest, that God was calling the boy. So Eli directed Samuel, go back, lie down, rest. And if you hear the voice speak again, say, speak God, I'm your servant and I'm ready to listen. Samuel returned to his bed. Then God came and stood before him exactly as before, calling out, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, speak, I am your servant, ready to listen. God said to Samuel, listen carefully. I'm getting ready to do something in Israel that's going to shake everyone up and get their attention. An amazing account. Samuel was about 12 years old when this happened. I'm not sure if you know any 12-year-old boys, but if you called them in the middle of the night, I don't know if they'd run to your bedside and say, here I am, ready to serve. (laughs) This was an exceptional young man who had dedicated his life to God. And so uh, an amazing story where we hear God speak. The second man I want to look at in contrast this morning is Samson. Samson, poor old Samson gets a pretty bad name in the Bible. Rightly so, I think. But um, 
these stories are incredible to read, but Samson has a strikingly similar start to his life. Samson was also born from a barren mother who had prayed to the Lord that she would have a child. It was also a, a, a mother who the, an angel of the Lord came and said, hey, you're going to have a son. In fact, you're pregnant. And, and so a strikingly similar start. Like, uh, like Samuel, who was set apart to be a Levite, this young man, Samson, was set apart to be a Nazarite. Now, this was a person who was completely set apart for the service of the Lord. And there were restrictions that uh, Samson's parents needed to make sure that he abided by to remain this way. One was that he would have no drink from the vine. Two, that he would eat of no unclean food. And three, that no razor would touch his head. So he had long hair. And so uh, I'm going to pick up when he's not such a young boy, but he is a young man in Judges 16. We see Samson. It says this, Sometime later he fell in love with a woman of the valley of Sarek. Her name was Delilah. The Philistine tyrants approached her and said, Seduce him. Discover what's behind his great strength and how we can tie him up and humble him. Each of us, each man's company will give you a hundred shekels of silver. And so Delilah said to Samson, tell me, dear, the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied and humbled. Samson told her, well, if you were to tie me up with seven bowstrings, the kind from fresh animal tendons, not dried out, disgusting, then I would become weak, just like anybody else. So the Philistine tyrants brought her seven bowstrings, not dried out, exactly as he said. And then in the night, she, she wound him up with these. And then she said, the Philistines are on you, Samson. He snapped the cords as though they were mere threads and the secret of his strength was still a secret. Delilah said, come on, Samson, you're playing with me, making up stories. She sounds like a whinger. But be serious. Tell me how you can be tied up. He told her, well, if you're to tie me up with new ropes, ropes never been used for work, then I'd be helpless, just like anybody else. She does this again and she ties him up and says, Samson, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He breaks off those ropes as if they were never there. 13 and 14, you're still playing games with me. You're teasing me. You're telling me lies. He said to her, well, if you wove my hair into seven braids into the, into the fabric on the loom and drew it at night, then I'd be helpless as any other mortal. She did this and again, Samson, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he broke up. He got out of the loom and destroyed them all. In 15, she says, how can you say you love me? You don't even trust me. Three times now you've toyed with me like a cat with a mouse, refusing to tell me the secret of your strength. And then in 16 and 17, it said the sound was nagging at him day after day, nagging and tormenting him. Finally, he was fed up and couldn't take another minute. He spilled, a razor has never touched my head. I've been God's Nazarite from conception. If I were shaved... My strength would leave me. I'd be as helpless as any other mortal. She realized that he told her the truth. And she told the Philistines. And so when she got him to sleep, his head on her lap, she motioned for a man to cut the seven braids of his hair 
immediately he began to grow weak. His strength drained from him. Then she said, the Philistines are on you, Samson. He woke up thinking, I'll go out like always and shake free. He didn't even realize that God had abandoned him. The Philistines grabbed him. They gouged out his eyes and took him down to Gaza. They shackled him in irons and put him to the work of grinding in prison. Both incredible stories with drastically different results. Both were set apart. One was a Levite and one was a Nazarite. They were both answers to prayers of barren women where God had had mercy upon them. Both were ordained to lead Israel, one as a judge and one as a prophet. And whilst the similarities are strikingly similar, I want to draw our attention to one of the details that sets them apart. The place where they rested. You see, both men have a story And in that story, there's a voice that called at night. They both have a sound that surrounded them, that affected where their life would go. It was while they slept, while they rested, while they were vulnerable. Samuel rested in the presence of God. The one he was set apart to serve while Samson rested in the very lap of a Philistine. The one he was set apart to destroy. They both had surround sound but it was their location that determined what they heard. It's the location of our rest church that determines the voice that we hear. So what does rest have to do uh, with listening and what does listening have to do with rest? Why is there a correlation here? If God wants to speak, can't he just do it? Surely he could shout it in the thunder, rearrange the stars. He used a donkey in in the Bible. Could he not use the cat? Why does he need me to speak? Why should he have to wait for me to listen? Hebrews 3 and 4 gives us some incredible insight on the importance of rest and hearing the Lord. Because like I said before, we so often say, speak, Lord, show me the way. And his reply is, listen, church, just listen. And if you're up for it, I guess you don't have a choice. We're going to take a look at Hebrews 3 and 4. Super quickly. And they're going to help us to understand the correlation between rest and listening and how it affects what God's calling us into. So if you want to study this week on Hebrews 3 and 4, there's so much to pull out of it. I have three things I want to draw our attention to out of this. And then I have a practical way to help you to listen to God. We ready? Hebrews 3 says this, So my dear Christian friends, that's us, companions in following this call to the heights, take a good hard look at Jesus. He's the centerpiece of everything we believe, faithful in everything God gave him to do. Every house has a builder, but the builder behind them all is God. Moses did a good job in God's house, but it was all servant work, getting things ready for what was to come. 
Christ as son is in charge of the house. Now, if we can only get a firm grip on this bold confidence, we're the house. That's why the Holy Spirit says, today, please listen. I believe one of the key factors that took Samuel, that took Samuel and Samson on differing paths is this. The way that they saw themselves and what their eyes were fixed on. Samuel saw himself as a servant. He was wholeheartedly set apart, ready for the call, even in the middle of the night, to serve. His whole life was devoted to this. Samson, it's said that saw himself as great in his own eyes. It was their focus that determined what rest they needed. Samuel looked and waited on the priest, on the man of God. Samson, it says that he looked to the Philistine camp and said, I like that woman, get her for me. And he looked to the lusts of the world and it drew him in. In both of their stories that I read, their eyes, you may have missed it in Samuel's, but their eyes, something happens with their eyes as a result of listening. Take a look. Samuel, while the first three times only heard a voice, When God called, the fourth time it says God came and stood at his bed. His eyes understood that there was was God standing there as a result of listening. His eyes were opened. Samson lost his eyesight in the most traumatic of ways. They gouged out his eyes. Listening will allow you to see in both scenarios it's not, uh, it's a safeguard us against the mentality that Samson took on to go off and do his own thing, lured by the lust of the world. We need to have this constant understanding that God is building his house and we are the house that he is building. The first point I want to bring out is this Christ is building us, we are not building him. Christ does not need us to prop him up, he is building us. It is not the other way around. We're not building something and God gets to come on. You can come on as an associate. That'd be good. Name on the wall, things like that. No, no, no. God is building us. And when we lose sight that we are part of something bigger, get this, an eternal plan. You and I are part of the rescue mission of earth. You and I are a part of that. But when we forget this, we quickly turn to building our own lives, our own empires, our own names for ourselves, and we neglect to listen to God because we no longer need a supernatural strength that comes from his presence because we aren't building anything supernatural. When we stop to take time and rest in God's presence, it says this, that any work I could be doing in this time is nothing compared to the work God is doing in me and wants to do through me. The writer of Hebrews tells us to take a good, hard look at Jesus so that we are reminded that he is the centerpiece and we are not. He goes on to say, secondly, Today, please listen. He says this repeatedly in three and four. Today, please listen. 
Don't turn a deaf ear is in the bitter uprising. That time of wilderness testing, even though they watched me at work for 40 years, your ancestors refused to let me do it my way. Over and over, they tried my patience. I was provoked. Oh, I was provoked. I said, they'll never keep their minds on God. They refused to walk down my road. Exasperated, I vowed, they'll never get to where they're going. They'll never be able to sit down and rest. Even though the children of Israel had found salvation, they were saved out of Egypt, they had found their freedom. They had seen mighty miracles. Imagine seeing the Red Sea part. Imagine seeing your food fall from heaven every day. They had seen mighty miracles. Uh, They had known and tasted, literally tasted of God's provision. Yet, because they refused to listen, they never got to see what God had planned for them. There was so much for them. The promised land awaited And the same is true for you and I. There is so much more in Christ, amen? There is more in Christ that we have not yet attained. There are promises we are not yet walking fulfillment in. But what was it that God said they refused to do? It was this, that they never kept their minds on God. They refused to walk down my road. Do you realize that it is quite possible to have a whole life of stories about what God has done, have seen God move, seen his provision, seen miracles in your life, and yet in this moment you can miss what he has for you. We are told, listen, don't turn a deaf ear. I think um, logic would tell me that you wouldn't have to turn a deaf ear if there was no sound coming through. So to have a warning, don't turn a deaf ear, kind of tells me that there's something being spoken. Of course there's something being spoken. In Job 33, 14, it says this, For God speaks once, even twice, yet no one notices. And in fact, this is true. God has spoken, yet we don't even notice it. Even when it's right there in the title, the Word of God. (laughs) The Bible's real title, the Word of God. The second thing I want to pull out of this is the Word is the Word. The Word is the Word. You're waiting on a Word, it's in front of you. Sometimes we need to stop listening for a holy voice and start looking for a holy verse because he's already spoken. Are we willing to listen? Listen, don't turn a deaf ear. I'm speaking, I'm speaking. Do not turn a deaf ear. How do we keep our minds on God? We get to know how he thinks. We read his story. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, read the stories of Jesus. You will understand what God is like. Now, at this point in the sermon, you might be thinking, right, I've got it figured out. It's one of those sermons to tell you, read your Bible more and do more. You had me up till here, Jess, but I've heard these before. Well, it's not that. In fact, I'm telling you not to do more, do less and let God do more. Because rest in his presence actually says, I've done what I can do. Now I'm going to leave the rest up to you. Reading your Bible 
And understanding it is not religious. It is not religious. And it is not a way to earn approval with God. It is, however, choosing the sound that surrounds you. Samuel rested in the presence of God. I have heard many Christians say this thing, this line that's seemingly pretty innocent when it comes to uh, learning the word of God. I just have a simple faith. I just have a simple faith. Do you know what? That's so beautiful. Some people don't get that gift of simple faith. But God also says this, what have you done with what I gave you? In, in uh, Proverbs 18, it says, A fool does not delight in understanding, but only in revealing his own mind. The Bible says if you are just relying on the simple faith and refuse to understand and get to know his ways, that you're foolish. And we do not want to be foolish Christians. We want to understand his ways. Or we can too easily be swept up by the mentality of of our own thinking, building our family, our business, our career, our image, our marriage, all great things, but not if God's not building it. And so much so, we run the risk of waking up one day like Samson, as the translation says, that he didn't even know the presence had left him. Without the word of God, we run the risk of being so self-involved and at home with our own thoughts and our ways that we don't even realize that God has left. Hebrews 3, 12 to 14, just the last bit on the word is the word. And I think it's so important, I don't want to skip over it. It says this, make sure that there's no evil unbelief lying around that will trip you up and throw you off course, diverting you from the living God. You see, neglecting to read the word of God does this. It opens the door to unbelief or twisted belief. The writer describes unbelief as just lying around. And that's what unbelief does. It casually just slips on in the background. Oh, don't mind me. I'm just your neighborhood unbelief. I promise I will not bother anybody. And unbelief left, not confronted by the word of God, then makes a way into your surround sound system. And, it's all, and it seems innocent enough, an innocent thought of, I don't know if that's right. Well, let's check with the Word of God. But if you don't confront it with the Word of God, it will take residence in your mind and it will become a belief system for you. This is the encouragement from the writer of Hebrews when this is happening. Watch out for your friends. Don't let people go off alone. Encourage each other in the Word and speak life and belief into each other. So the Word is the Word. Last last point I want to bring out of this. Hebrews 4 says this, For as long then as the promise of resting in him pulls us on to God's goal for us, we need to be careful that we're not disqualified. We receive the same promises as those people in the wilderness, but the promises didn't do them a bit of good because they didn't receive the promises with faith. We believe, though, we'll experience that state of resting. If we believe, where does faith come from? 
hearing of the word of God. There's a promise that when we rest in him right here, it pulls us on to the goal God has for us. Samuel thought he was just serving the priest, serving God diligently. That night as he listened, it it was the starting point for him to be the prophetic voice piece for the nation of Israel. And this is so contrary to what the world says. It says, rest is for the weak. I'll sleep when I'm dead. You seen those things? That's not the way God works. But he, he invites us into rest as a means of going into what he has for us. Again, we're reminded if we believe, if we have faith, it's building on each other that we need to focus on Jesus. The word is the word, but here's the promise I want to bring out. Hebrews 4, 7 to 9, it says, uh, God keeps renewing the promise and setting the date as today. Today, please listen. Don't turn a deaf ear, which means he's speaking. And so this is still a live promise. It wasn't cancelled at the time of Joshua. Otherwise, God wouldn't keep renewing the appointment for today. Did you catch that? The God of the universe sets a daily appointment with you. Renews that promise. Oh, you didn't make it yesterday. Don't worry. Today, I have scheduled your name in. I am putting time aside. I'll meet with you. When you wake tomorrow, he's set an appointment. When you wake the next day, he's got your name in there. Every day, God is making an appointment to meet with you. Samuel faithfully served in the presence of God and his strength and rest came from his presence. But here's why he heard. He heard God speak because he positioned himself to hear. Do you show up for your appointment with God? I know you show up to the gym at the time the class is meant to start. (laughs) Or work, so you're not late at work. Or the hair appointment. Can't miss the hair appointment. I didn't this week. Um, But do we brush off the appointment with God? Today, God says. Today is the day to listen. Uh, Hebrews uh, 4, 1, 3 says, we need to be careful we're, we're not disqualified. Church, could we make sure that we're not put to the side because we won't put ourselves on our knees? God has a live and active promise to meet with us every day. Today, tomorrow, and every day. We need to make sure that the sound we surround ourselves with is the sound that leads us to the promises he has for us. I have two minutes to show you how to do this practically. <laughs> you ready? Thanks, Hall. I'll take that. Yep, got two minutes there, two minutes there, that's four. Got another two anywhere? <laughs> Fantastic. Practically, because I don't want us to think, oh, great, we've got to listen to God and then not know how to do it. Okay, because God doesn't want to trick us into saying, I'm speaking, mm, you can't hear me. He's not that God. He doesn't hide himself from us when we seek him. So here it is. I want to challenge that if you can't fit, if you can't find time to fit him in, I would contest that your life is building something that he's not a part of. It's a dangerous place to be. We need to be so careful that we aren't busy 
with what we're doing that we come to the place that we don't even realize his presence has left. Every day, every day he sets his appointment. Here's our practical things. God sets an appointment with you, so here's what you need to do. Set an appointment. I have a slide. Here we go. Make an appointment. Set a time and a place. This is not metaphorical. Don't have it in a dreamland place of tomorrow. Um, Put it in your diary. That at that time, I I don't know how much time, let's go with 15 minutes. I'm setting aside time to meet God for our appointment. He shows up. We need to too. This is not the time, in this time, if you're taking notes, this isn't the time to bring your list of things that you need God to do for you. This this is a practical way to discipline yourself in listening. Second thing that you need is have your Bible, have a paper and pen. And in this moment, turn off your devices or silence them. Don't have them around to have the Instagram or the email or the phone call. This is nobody else's appointment except yours and God's. They don't have a right to impose on that time. Secondly, once you're there, start with thanks. I've given a really quick uh, example of a prayer. Where is it? Thank you, Lord, for your word that it speaks and that it's alive. Thank you that you want to speak to me. As I read your word today, I believe my faith will increase as you have promised. I invite you to teach me, correct me, inspire me, and lead me through your word. Just a simple prayer like that. Thank him for his word and invite him to do the best thing that he can do. Uh, Fourth, oh, yeah, is it fourth? Yep. Read. So in this time when you're being quiet, uh, you're reading. You're not just humming or um, sitting and you're reading because you want to get to know God. And so you read. If you're not on a reading plan, here's a great, I find that one of the best ways to start your reading is start in the book of Psalms because it it lifts your spirit to praise God. It, it, It corrects that unbelief of, hang on, where I thought God was failing me, he never fails me and it brings praise. It's a great place to start. Fifth Fifth thing is this, you will find that when you sit down to do this, your head will be flooded with the most stupid thoughts. Oh, have you fed the cat? Oh, I think the tire needs more air in the bicycle that we never use. Uh, You will just get thought after thought after thought. You will be bombarded left and right. Here's my suggestion. As you get thoughts, if it's something you need to do, quickly have a list and write down, that's what I need to do. Great. Groceries. Awesome. Okay. If it's a lie, like, see, I told you, you didn't understand the word of God. Write down the truth about it. No, God said that he is renewing my mind. Told you not a good reader. No, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm being transformed. And write down the rebuttal of that lie with the truth and move on. This is a discipline of taking every thought captive Too often, we let any thought fly in and fly out, and we don't even check, is that the truth? If we are children of the light, we need to walk in truth. And lastly, is right. So once you've read, maybe for 10 minutes, read a few Psalms. I love speaking them out loud because it makes myself hear it and see it. 
But then there's a really simple thing, and I'm sure a lot of people have already seen it, but I tell you, it's, it is such a good way. It is this. It is soap. This is what you can write. Write down one verse that sticks out to you from that reading. And then write down your observation. This is what I feel God is saying about this. Or if you really can't hear any inclination, write down, this is what I think God might have said about it. And you'll begin to get stronger in this. Write down how you can apply it to your life. How can this affect my today? And then a simple prayer. And this is the discipline of learning how to listen. There are other ways. I'm not saying that this is the fail-proof only way. God has designed us differently. But time and time again, he says, meditate on my scriptures. Jesus often went away to a quiet place to pray. Get alone and make a discipline of this. Finally, I, I want to encourage you. In 1 Samuel 3.21, after the word of God had been spoken to Samuel, and it said that for many years uh, he, he kept hearing the word of God, it says this, 1 Samuel 3.21, God continued to show up at Shiloh, and he revealed through his word to Samuel at Shiloh. You know what the location of Shiloh means? A place of rest. God continues to show up at Shiloh. He will continue and be faithful to show up as you rest in him. Amen. Um, I, I don't have a challenge for you because I have what I want you to implement this week. So if you didn't get that down about how to listen, come and see me or I'll get uh, Caleb to maybe leave it on the screen if that's helpful. But uh, can I ask the band to come up? And in this moment, after listening, and Beck, I forgot to say, that was such a worship, a beautiful worship time. It was anointed and fits perfectly with listening. So thank you for that. Uh, in this time, I want you to feel free to leave. I'll, I'll get Joel to, oh, I can pray, it's fine. My prayers are good too. Um, but in this time, if you know that you, you need to get better at this discipline, uh, if you can do the last song, it talks about, in the first line it says, you're my place of rest. If you just want to sit for the next five minutes and maybe practice this, or open up your Bible and read a psalm. Or just go, God, I, I'm sorry that I haven't been doing this. I want to rest in you and just take the time to rest. If, uh, please feel free. The meeting, I've gone six minutes over and I'm concluding. But feel free to leave. But I want to have a time where you can feel like you can rest. Or if you want to start implementing this, read it, write, pray, invite God in. So, Father, thank you so much for your word. You are always faithful. You are always faithful to us. So thank you that you would open our ears. Father, spiritually clear our ears and open our eyes. Let a desire rise within us to be building up what you're building, God. That you would, you would put a desire for us to read your word. That it would excite us. Help us to be self-disciplined, to show up for our appointment, God. We want to meet with you. Speak, Lord. Help us to listen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
If you want to stand and sing or sit, you're more than welcome. Thank you, church. We'll see you next week at seven at nine thirty.